Let us read from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6. We shall read from verse 13. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. <coughs> For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely blessing, I'll bless thee, and multiplying, I'll multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God willing more abundantly to shew unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refugee to lay hold upon the hope set before us which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Neira ira yeka ngayogerante mazima okuo mkisa na kuwango mkisa no kuwaza na kuwaza nga. Buwacho weyamala okugumi kiliza na weba echasu vizibwa. Kubanga abantubala ira asingo bukuru ne mumpakaza wezo na echida iroche echisala o okukakasa. Katona cheyavate kawakati echida iyo ngayagala okuwole seza dala enyo abasika abebi asu vizibwa okutesa kwe wekuta juru kuka. Ulevi gambe vivili evita juru kuka. Katonda biata inza kulimbira mu. Tulioketu velenga nechi tugumia echi nyuevu. Fe abaduka okunonya eche kwekiro. Okunyeze subi eliate kewa mumaso gafe. Jetulina ngesika eliobula mu. Esubi elitabusi wabusi wa era elinyuevu. Eleli yingira munda uwe jiji. Yesu mwea yingira omukule mbeze kuruafe. Weyafu kakabona asingo bukuru emile mbe jona ngengeri ya meruki zede kibwele. You may be seated. Mutuleko. I want us to share this morning. Nyagala tugabani nchalero. On a subject I have called the anchor of the soul. Kumutre obecho kuigilizako chempise enanga yememe. Amen. Amina. I'm just getting my inspiration from verse 19 where we read. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Both sure and steadfast. And which entereth into that within the veil. The anchor of the soul. Now, an anchor uh, is something like usually when ships dock, 
like at uh, big harbors like Mombasa harbor those huge ships they normally get a very huge big chain and then tie it on that ship and then Normally at the end of that chain, there is a hook. Which hook they hook beneath a huge rock in the ocean. So that this ship is stable. And it cannot be moved by winds and storms. So that one is an anchor. <laughs> it holds this ship. However much the storms are. They cannot blow it off the harbor. Because it is anchored. We also. As believers. As children of the Lord. We have an anchor for our souls. And that anchor is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We may not see him here because we are in the physical. But for him, he's in another realm. But he's anchoring us this morning. However huge the storms that will come your way, we are anchored by that anchor that is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Brother Brian preached a sermon. Brother Brian, we have a sermon called uh, "Be Not Be Afraid." And in that sermon, he was saying, "One time, Jesus Christ told His disciples, go yonder the sea. I'll find you there." And he went to the mountain to pray. And he was praying throughout the night. But then these disciples as they were sailing, there was a tempest on the sea. And the Bible says that because the winds were contrary. So they being fishermen, they tried as much as much as possible to stabilize this boat. But then they were almost sinking because the tempest was so great. And as they were struggling with the boat, they saw ahead of them something coming towards them. Like a silly-hooted thing. Like a demon. And everyone says that they were so scared. As that thing continued approaching. And when they were almost screaming, Jesus calmed them. He told them, do not be afraid. It is I. 
And when he came closer, the Bible says that Peter told him, Lord, if you are the one, bid me also to come as you have come walking on the water. And the Lord told him, you can come. And Peter started walking on the water just like the Lord was walking. And when he was almost reaching the Lord, he saw a wave and he feared. And he was almost sinking. And he said, Lord, don't you care that I perish? And the Lord offered him a hand. And he told him, why did you fear? And the prophet says in that message, when Jesus told his disciples to cross the sea, he went on a very high mountain to pray. But then he was watching over them. Because he knew what was going to happen to them. And in that message the prophet says, he went to the highest part of the mountain. Because he says, the higher you go, the, higher, the more you see what is going on down. So he was watching over them. Do you know that he's watching over us even this morning? And when they were almost sinking, immediately he came very fast. Told them, don't be afraid. It is I. And the prophet says, he went to the highest part of the mountain so that he watches over them. And he says, now when he came from the cross, he did not only go to the mountain, but he went beyond the mountain, beyond the stars and the moon and the sun. And he's watching over us. He's watching over his children. He who watches over the sparrows is watching over you this mountain, this morning. So he's the anchor of we have an anchor this morning. I don't know what you are going through this morning. I don't know what the devil has robbed you of. He could have robbed you of your joy. Or your happiness. Or your money. Or your good health. But we know that the Lord is here. That anchor of our soul. He is here. We should always come to church. Under expectations. Amen. Whenever you come to church. You should always come under expectations. Because Jesus is here. The King of Kings is here. Whomsoever person the Lord Jesus met, if he was sick, that person got healed. If that person was maybe having a complication, 
That complication left him or her. Horrible, horrible complications. Terrible demons. Like that man of Gadara. Who used to keep in the tombs. Cutting himself. But when Jesus met him. When he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that people found him. At Jesus feet. Calm and delivered. Whenever he would meet the dead, they would resurrect. So he's here this morning. We should always come under expectation. Because his presence is here. Though we don't see him with his naked eyes. But he's here. David said, I was so glad. When they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Because in the house of the Lord, there is joy. There is deliverance. There is healing. Because in that house of the Lord, the Lord is there. Do you know that his presence is here this morning? You see, people always get so excited when they see pillars of fire. We have ever captured them. We have photographs in our office. Pillars of fire. They get so happy that the Lord visited us in this service. But do you know that that pillar of fire that is captured by a camera it is just an indication or a confirmation of the promise that Jesus gave. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be in their midst. So he always comes in our midst to have fellowship with us. And this morning, he is here. We sing in that song, he is here. Hallelujah. He is here. He is here. If you can touch him, you will never be the same. He's here this morning. But only if you can touch him. Just like that woman who had an issue of blood. She had an expectation. If I can only reach out and touch the hem of his garment, this issue of blood will stop. She had moved from doctors to doctors. But because of that faith, that expectation that she had, when she touched the hem of his garment, the Bible says that the blood issue stopped instantly. So which expectation do you have this morning? Are you worried? Are you troubled? He is here this morning. If you can only touch him, you will never, never, never be the same. You will not go back home the way you came in. 
We should always come with expectations. You see what the devil does? He brings routine. There is a certain, a certain man of God who made these two statements. One of them he said, he said that respectability is the enemy of reality. Respectability. This comes from respect. So respectability is exactly. It is the enemy of reality. And he also said routine kills spirituality. Actually, routine is not bolombolombo. Exactly. And you repeat certain things daily. And they become ordinary things. I can give you an example. You wake up in the morning. You wash your face. You brush your teeth. You have a cup of tea. You go at the stage. You wait for the vehicle to take you to work. At five, you leave work. You come back in the evening. You keep on doing that thing over and over. Every, it becomes a routine. You get familiar to it. Amen? Respectable is the enemy of Reality. When people respect themselves, they end up failing as far as Christian things are concerned. They end up not realizing the issue or the problem they have. Look at a man called Naaman. The Bible says, Naaman was a great man. He was a great general in the arm of Syria. But he had leprosy. In reality, though he was a great man, but yet he, had, he was leprous. He had leprosy. A great, terrible sickness. Because in those days, people who had leprosy, they used to be segregated. So this thing troubled him so much. But the Bible says there was a young girl who was taken as a bond girl to Syria. And now she was working for that man called Naaman. And one time she told her mistress, you see, back home where I came from, in Israel, there is a great prophet there. That prophet can heal your husband's leprosy. And then the mistress told the husband, and the husband said, truly, truly, he organized and went to Israel. And the Bible says, when he reached where Elisha was, 
Elisha did not even come out of the house. Because he had already seen him coming. Him being a prophet of God. He knew already his desire. So when Elisha, rather, Naaman sent his servants to go to Elisha, Elisha told his servant Gehazi, go and tell him to go to a certain river and wash himself seven times and he will be made whole. And the Bible says, Naaman knew that river. It was a dirty river. He said, how? He was very wroth. He was annoying. He said, I expected him to come out. At least and look at my condition. And maybe touch me. And maybe pray for me. But now he's sending me to that river. Moreover, a very dirty river. River with dirty water. And they will say that he was so annoyed. When he was almost going back, his servants told him, But master, we have walked, moved all the way from Syria and now to see this man of God. And now the man of God has told you what to do. Why don't you obey and at least do it? And then after a lot of you know, convincing and so forth, the Bible says that he went and washed in that river seven times. And his skin became like that one of a baby. He was made whole. He was kind of now respecting himself. I, a dignified person. A whole Can I go and wash in that dirty river? Who am I? Why should I do that? He forgot the reality of the condition that he was in. But when he put down his dignity and all this and that. And went and did what the man of God told him. He was made whole. He was made whole. Amen. Amen. So respectability is the enemy of reality. I going before church and repenting publicly. Oh, that one is a shame. But in reality, you are a sinner and you need to do that. It just reminds me of Pastor Kango who was here of recent. One time, Pastor Gideon was baptizing in Mbarara. After he had preached and were just surrounded, you know, witnessing that function. And now he told me, do you know, when I got saved, I was going to be baptized. 
and the river where I was going to be baptized. It was that that water. Because it was near an industrial area. There were some that that oils. So I felt, how can I go there? And get baptized in that that water. But is when Mazaga And then he had a voice telling him. But your sins were worse than that that water. Run quickly and get baptized. And immediately he went and got baptized. Amen. Routine kills spirituality. I will go to church. Just as I go every day. It is a normal routine. Every Sunday. On Wednesday, we go for fellowship. Which fellowship starts at 6 and ends at a certain time. Sun, it starts at 9. It is, becomes a routine. But if you come expecting, Lord, I know that where I'm going, you are there. And I know I'm taking this problem to you. You are more than able to solve it. Because you promised in your word that where two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be in their midst. When you come expecting and you don't just make it a routine, then you will never go back. Amen. Amen. We were given these small leaflets to follow scriptures. How many people received those papers? So that we keep on reading scriptures on a daily basis. I don't, I'm, I, I, I don't know whether you still read. But you see, the routine way, you know, it's just, you know, I'm supposed to read that scripture today, Leviticus, this, this, and that. And because of routine, you just pick it. You just read it. Hurriedly. Because you are fulfilling a ritual. It is routine. But if you read that scripture, because that scripture is the word of God. We are given these leaflets, not just to carry it out to read as a routine, but before reading, ask God, God revealed to me this word which I'm going to read. Because that word is God himself. God wants to speak to you through his word. But if we carry out, we carry it out as a routine. It will not help us in any way. So when we come expecting, God will bless us. Amen. Amen. The anchor of our souls. Jesus yes, is the anchor of our souls. Where we read, Paul is saying, 
for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. Amen. Amina. Paul is telling us when God gave a promise to Abraham because he couldn't swear by no greater. He swore by himself. Saying blessing, I'll bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And the Bible says that after Abraham had waited patiently, he obtained the promise. God swearing by himself. That's what Paul is talking about. But if you want to get the, the true meaning of what he's talking about, God swearing, he was swearing an oath. Thanks, he saw an oath. Because if you read verse 16, it says, For men verily swear by the greater. And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Amen. Amen. An oath. God was swearing an oath. Meaning that truly, the words that he's speaking, the promises that he's giving, he's going to fulfill them. Amen? Amen. He saw an oath. And an oath is a confirmation that what someone is telling you is the truth. It is the absolute truth. God had to swear an oath. I can give you an example. When big officials, when they are taking over or taking up offices, they swear oaths. Amen. Amina. Presidents, MPs. MP. I, William Ruto. Nze William Ruto. Swear this day. That I will uphold the constitution of Kenya. And I will serve Kenya with all my heart. They are, they are, then uh, help me, Lord. Something like that. He's swearing an oath. Amen. Amina. I am P so and so. This day I swear that I will serve my country, I will serve my constitution. Therefore, help me, O Lord. In other words, he's saying. These words that I have spoken, they are words of truth. And he's lifting up the Bible as an indicator 
that he's swearing by someone who is greater. And that person is God. In other words, what I'm speaking, I'm absolutely speaking the truth. And if it is not the truth, then let God do to me whatever he wishes. So that is swearing an oath. Amen? Amen. And now the Bible is telling us where we read and so after he had patient, okay, verse 16, for men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strength. Amen. Amina. Men Abantu. swear by the greater. And that oath is an end of all strife. Men swear by the greater. I'm going to do this to swear. The Bible prohibits us to swear. The Bible says, let your yea be yea, let your no. But Paul here is telling us, people swear by someone who is greater. And that swearing of that oath is a confirmation. It settles all strife. Amen? Amina. So God also Katonda, when he gave us his promises we are two because there was nobody greater than him. I believe God Katonda, after giving us those promises I believe he turned left and there was nobody greater than him. He turned right and there was nobody greater than him. He turned and looked behind. There was nobody greater. He looked in front of him. He looked above him. He looked beneath. There was nobody greater than him. And he swore by himself. And the Bible says, Bible I think it's in Isaiah 46. It says, I'm the Lord God. And before me there is no any other. So because there was no any other to swear by, anyone greater than him, he swore by himself. And this swearing is the anchor of our souls. In other words, God is saying, whatsoever the case, these words that I have given you, they are from me. And they will never fail. That one should hold our souls. 
amidst storms raging. That one should be an anchor for our souls. God saying that I cannot change. Amen. Amen. He goes on to say, For men verily swear by the greater verse 16, and an oath for confirmation is to them an an end of all strife. Verse 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to shew unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, he confirmed it by an oath. He confirmed it with an oath. Now verse 13 when he said, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could not swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. Now with this one, when he gave Abraham, Abraham that promise, I will bless you. I will multiply you. When you read it from here, it does not give the true context. Amen? But when we go to Genesis, you'll see what God was talking about. Let us turn to Genesis. Genesis chapter, I think it should be Genesis chapter 22. Let me try to get the verse. Okay, from verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham <coughs> out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. For because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee. And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. <laughs> Amen. God giving Abraham that promise. Because he had given him his only son. Isaac. He had obeyed him. And then God swore. 
In blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply you. And your seed will be as the stars of heaven. And your seed will possess the gates of hell. Amen. God swearing to Abraham. Abraham. When you look at that promise, it is not directed to Abraham only. But is also directed to the seed of Abraham. We become the seed of Abraham through the Lord Jesus Christ. So that promise was not to Abraham only. But it was to all of us. And when God gave that promise, he swore by himself. Amen? Amen. Verse 18, it says that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Thanks be to the Lord. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. By two immutable things whereby God cannot lie. We, the seed of Abraham, might have a strong consolation. What are these two immutable things? The word immutable it is it means a state of not changing. So by two unchanging things, we the seed of Abraham. We the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We the believers might have a strong consolation. The two things which cannot change. God giving a promise, speaking his word towards you, and then swearing. Swearing because there was no one greater than him. Swearing by himself as an affirmation that what he's saying is the truth. That the promise which has given you can never fail. When these two officials are swearing, they make statements. I, the president of this and swear this day that I will uphold the constitution. He's making a statement that is one thing. 
But when he's making that statement, another thing he's lifting up the Bible. So he's doing two things. He's making a statement. Which statement he's assuring people that he's not going to change, that they are true. And if they are not true, let God do to him whatever he feels. That's why they lift up Bibles. In other words, what is he saying? He's saying, what I'm telling you, God is my guarantor. God is my guarantor that when I speak lies, let him do to me whatever he wills. And because God doesn't have anyone who is greater than him, he swears by himself. Sometimes the prophet would be preaching. I think it was in the message yesterday. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, today, and you say these words that I'm speaking to, they are not my words, but they are words of the Lord. I'm speaking them to you with this Bible over my heart. In other words, he's saying, if this is not true, let God penalize me. So people swear by the greater. You remember one time when there was a showdown on Mount Carmel after Israel had stayed for long without rain because of their sins. And now Elijah appears to Abraham and tells him now it is going to rain. But you first gather all your false prophets because through worshipping Baal that's why we have experienced all these problems. There is going to be a showdown on Mount Carmel and we shall prove who is the right God. And they will say that there was a showdown between the 400 prophets of Baal and Jehovah whom Elijah was representing. And he said, let the God that will answer with fire be the true God. And all these 400 prophets, they came and tried to call to their God. They were saying that they cut themselves with knives from morning to evening. And their God was not answering. But when it came to evening time, Elijah prepared the altar. And they will say that he called upon his God. He called upon the name of Jehovah. And fire came from heaven and consumed that sacrifice. And immediately after that, they will say that he gathered the 400 prophets and took them to a certain river and he started beheading them one by one until they were all finished. Elijah was a terrible man. But the Bible says that after Ahab had witnessed that, she went and told her wife Jezebel what Elijah had done. And Jezebel vowed 
Let my gods do unto me to what Elijah has done to my prophets. If I don't behead him tomorrow. And when Elijah had that, this woman was a terrible woman. She had vowed Elijah had to take off. So a vow is a great thing. But here we look at God himself. The creator of the heavens and the earth. Giving you a promise. And vowing himself. Confirming that promise. Meaning that it will never fail. Let the devil come in like a flood. Let him run before. Before, before you, let him rise and do whatever he wants. I've given you a promise. And upon that promise, because there is nobody to swear above me, I have sworn myself. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you until the end of the age. The prophet said, when God gives a promise, he would rather leave heaven empty to make sure he fulfills that promise. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. These three Hebrew boys, before they threw them in fire, they said we shall not bow before that idol. We only worship Jehovah. He is our God. Even before we left home and came to captivity here, we used to worship that Jehovah. And we shall still worship that Jehovah. And the Bible says that they tied them. And Nebuchadnezzar said, make the furnace seven times hot and throw them in the furnace. And they said, even if our God does not answer, even if he does not deliver us, still we shall not bow. And they were saying that as they were swe swaying them, after tying their legs and their hands, and they were swinging them to throw them in the fire, before they landed in the fire. Because Jehovah had sworn. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Before they landed in the fire. He was already there. He gave a promise. And he can never change. I'm the Lord God who heals all your diseases. I'm the Lord God who forgives all your sins, your, your iniquities. So no matter the sickness, even if it is cancer, even if it is diabetes, he heals all. And he forgives all iniquities. I don't care the magnitude of the problem. The magnitude of your sin. He's the Lord God who heals all our diseases. And who forgives all our iniquities. He gave that promise. And he swore by himself. That it will never fail. Amen. Amen.
that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, verse 18, we might have a strong consolation who, are, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. <laughs> Yesu mwea yingira, omukule mbeze kuruafe, weyafuka kabona singo bukuru, emile mbejo na ngengiri ya merikizede kibwedi. Amen. Amina. By two unchanging things. Orebi ntuevide evita juru kuka. He gave a promise. Yasubiza. And then he swore by himself. Irani irai irai ka. Hear what the prophet is saying. Murine na bicha gamba. He says, I give him a little parable. I said, brother, one time there was a king. He had a great kingdom. And in this he made the rules and the, uh, the atonements and so forth of the king. And so forth, okay. And I said there was a slave committed a crime. And that crime required death. And so he called the slave up. And read off and it was death. So there wasn't nothing for the slave to do. But to die. So he said, what can I do before I kill you? And the slave said, get me a glass of water. And so they brought him a glass of water. And the poor fellow knew he was going to die. So he was shaking so hard. He couldn't hold the glass in his hand. And he said, now wait a minute before you... Before I, before I take your life. That is the king saying. I'm going to. You drink that water before I take your life. And I'm not going to take your life. Till you drink that glass of water. And the slave threw the water on the ground. I said now what is he going to do? If he's a man of honor, he has got to keep his word. No matter the law, whatever the law says, he has got to keep his word. Amen? Amen. I said, then God is so, he let it slip up and out and put in his word and not put in the atonement. No, don't tell that, you know, okay. You can't deny uh, but what it's in the word, and if it's in the word, the atonement to back that word up of every word of God is inspired. 
buli kintu chonnawe ekiri ekisobola okuletira ekigamo kya katono echo okuyimirira amen amena what is the prophet saying here nabiyagamba chiwano he's talking of a certain king ayogera kukaba komu uh, whose subject had committed a certain crime and through this crime this man was supposed to be killed he was supposed to be hanged and then the king asked him what what uh, what do you, uh, what can i do for you before i hang you and this poor fellow, he said, at least give me a glass of water. Let me drink it before you hang me. And now the king says, okay, you have the glass of water. I will not kill you before you drink it. And because this man was so scared of death, though he wanted to drink the water, but because he was shaking, this glass of water dropped from his hands and fell down and broke. And now the prophet is saying, because this man, by his word he had said, I will not kill you before you drink the water. And now he has not drunk the water. The glass has dropped down. So will the king kill him? He will not. He has to be a man of his word. And the prophet is saying, if a mere man, a mere king, could uphold his word, what about the king of kings? The Lord Jesus Christ. The word, his word, his promise, it barricades him. He has to abide by his words. That's why he swore. Whatever promise he gave you, he will uphold it. And this is an anchor of our souls. He's no longer here with us. The Bible is telling us, we have a consolation for our souls. Because that high priest, he gave us that promise and he swore by himself. And that high priest is right in the heavens. He's seated on, you know, on his father's throne interceding for us. He's no longer in the corporal body. But we are anchored to him. Though we are in the physical realm here. He's in the spiritual realm. Do you know that we are also in the spiritual realm? Because of this anchor. Though we are in this physical realm, Brother Branham talked about dimensions. From the first dimension up to the seventh. And he said, We human beings, we live in the physical realm. We live in these three dimensions. Amen. Amen. 
The first dimension I think is matters, things that you can hold. Things that you can see. Things that you can touch. That is the first dimension. Then the second dimension is the dimension of light. It is by that dimension that we are able to see things that are wrong. Then the dimension of, uh, I think, uh, time. Today you know that it is this date. It is this month. It is this part of the year. We live in these three dimensions. The fourth dimension is the dimension of waves. And sounds. And the prophet says that in here where we are, there are pictures, but we cannot see them with our eyes. There are sounds going on, sounds that need a special gadget like a transmitter to pick it and take it to your radio so that you can hear that voice. But there are sounds going on, there are pictures that need like a TV so that you can see them. But they are going forth. The fourth dimension. The fifth dimension is where the devil is with his demons. The sixth dimension is where the saints go when they live here. And the seventh is where Jesus lives. That great King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He has left this corporal body. He has entered the inner veil as the high priest of our confession. Though he's not here in the physical, but he's in that spiritual realm. But the Bible says, we are also seated with him in heavenly places. We believers, we are not just like the rest of these common people who are so limited to the physical realm. For us believers, we are seated with Christ in the spiritual Realm. We are connected to him by this anchor. Amen. 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 So we are so secure. He gave a promise and he saw by himself. Let the devil rage. Let him come in any type, in any way. We have an anchor for our souls. And that anchor is the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. Amen. A promise and a swearing. Those are the two immutable things whereby God can never lie. Whereby God can never change. God will do whatever it takes to make sure he fulfills his promises. Brethren, that one should give us more faith and more confidence in him 
to know that he truly cares. Okumanya no kutegera nti dalafayo. Amen. Amina. The anchor of our souls. Inanga yememeza fe. The prophet says here, Nabiagamba wano. Now our faith cannot rest upon nothing. A Christian has to have, his faith has to have a solid resting place. You know that? And the only resting place that a Christian, a true born again Christian can rest his faith or has is upon the unmovable word of God. Amen. Amina. It isn't built upon the shifting sands of men's theology. Amen. And doctrines and upon some church affiliation. But a true believer, his faith rests solidly and shifting as he approaches the word of God. Amen. We believers, our anchor is the word of God. Our anchor are the promises of God. Which God spoke himself and he confirmed them with an oath. Those two immutable things whereby God cannot change. He says, I was saying some where maybe here a few nights ago. I wanted to preach so bad. I preached to my wife in bed. Till 12 o'clock. Just telling of how glorious Jesus was. A text came in my heart. A text came in my heart. It kept burning me so great till I just couldn't rest with it. And I just said, honey, I want to preach to you a little while. And she, she aroused by grace, she listened. I said, the Christian faith is based solidly Upon rest. That's right. A Christian is not tossed about. A Christian doesn't run from place to place. A Christian doesn't fast and fume. And worry about things. A Christian rests. It's all over. It's all finished for the believer at Calvary. That's right. 
Kitufu echo. Oh, sicknesses may come. And disappointments. But the Christian is at rest. Knowing this, that God is able to keep that which he performed. Knowing that no matter what the thing is, and how it looks, there is neither sickness, no sorrow, no death. There is neither starvation or anything that can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. We are at rest. Just let the old ship toss any way she wants to. Just let the old ship toss any way she wants. Uh-huh. The anchor holds. Let that old Which is that old ship? It is you and me. Let the devil come and toss it anywhere he wants. And bring sickness to you. Let him take away your relatives and prove Let him do whatever he wants. Like he did to Job. But that ship has an anchor. It is the Lord who swore by himself. A Christian is not tossed oh, to and fro. A Christian does not have an answered question. A Christian rests because it is already performed for him on the cross at Calvary. When Jesus died on the cross, before he gave up the ghost, he said, It is finished. Isaiah said was had our report. Unto whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are already healed. In fact, as I'm preaching, I feel as if people are not really taking it in. Brother, sister, brother, sister, it is already a finished work. Jesus paid it all. He has given us great and precious promises. So that through these promises, they must say that we may be partakers of his divine nature. So that we may be like him. So that we may not be bound. By these physical things around us. So that we may live with him in the spiritual realms. God wants our faith to raise up and be where he is. That's why he gave these promises and he swore. 
The storms will come. The winds will blow. The prophet is telling us, let these storms come. Let them hit this old ship. As they hit that old ship of Job, the devil was hitting him left, right, and center. Whatever he could turn, he would be hit. He loses all his wealth. A man was so substantial having everything. All is swept within no time. He loses his children. His health is attacked. The old ship is ailing. But one day, he saw his redeemer. And he said, even if skin worms destroy his body, but yet I would see him. The devil can do anything. He can put you in prison. He can put you in the lion's den. As he did Daniel. But he who promised is so faithful. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Even if they threw Daniel there. God had to send an angel. And he closed the lion's mouth. When Peter was in prison, that angel had to come and told him, Peter, rise up. Tighten your shoes. Come and follow me. And when they reached at the prison's gate, the gates gave way. And he took him to the streets and told him, now you are free, you can go. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He saw by himself. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I have committed him my life. I've given him all that I have. And he's faithful to keep it. Let the devil rage. Let him do whatever he wants to do. Even if he kills you. He had killed Lazarus. And Lazarus was buried for days. Some things happen. To you and me, for a purpose. God allows them. Because the Bible says, the afflictions of a righteous man are so many. But God delivers him from them all. There are many. They will come. Storms will come. They will rock you. But the anchor holds. It does not mean that God does not know. He knows whatever is taking place. Even before it happens to you. 
He said in Matthew 6, 29, Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet none of them can fall to the ground without the knowledge of your heavenly Father. And he goes on to say, even he knows the number of your hair. So he who keeps the sparrows, what about his children, whom he bought with his own blood? He has given us those promises. And he has sworn by himself. This is a great consolation. That is the anchor of our soul. Through the immutability of his counsel, the promise and the oath so that we can have a steadfast hope. Amen. He goes on to say, I come by a harbor one time and I seen that, I saw that. We were flying in a plane. It was coming down low. There was a big old ship there. The sails had been let down, you know. And oh, what a storm on the sea. My, she was tossing. And I seen that old ship sitting there rocking back and forth. And some waves it would go in and some waves it would go and everything. I said, I wonder why that is. And the fellow sitting said, it's got a sea anchor on it. Therefore said, the ship can't sink. The waters can go through. You know the waves, but it can't sink. And he said, it's, it's, it's because it is anchored. I said, oh, praise to God. We have also got an anchor. Some waves can go over. Some can go under. But regardless, if the anchor holds, it isn't the ship doing the holding. It's the anchor doing the holding. Amen? Amen. It is not the sheep holding itself. But it is that anchor that is holding it. It is not you upholding yourself. It is that Jesus whom you believe. He is the one holding you. Sometimes we reach a moment. And you feel you have reached your wit's end. But when we reach that moment, when we are at crossroads, when we don't know where to start next, just like Job was, that's when he comes in. And he doesn't only come that moment. He has been watching the situation. And he's holding. The anchor is holding. So it is not the ship holding. It is the anchor. 
It's not you. It is Jesus Christ. Oh, what a privilege we have. We are sons and daughters of God. Sometimes I look at these unbelievers and I just pity them. Where do they run to? When these storms and gales and waves hit, for you, you have an anchor. You have a refugee where to run to. The Lord Jesus Christ is your anchor. Amen. It is the anchor doing the holding. It isn't what I am or what I will be or what I was. It's what he is now and what he did for me and you. It isn't what I can do. It's what he has done. Amen. It isn't what I can do, it's what he has done. Brethren, we have an anchor. My faith doesn't anchor in what the coming meetings will be. My faith doesn't rest in, in only any ability that I would have or upon what church I would join or what people I should associate with. My faith anchors and rests entirely upon the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ already being received. Amen. My anchor rests in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as we sing in that song. I've anchored in Jesus. The of life I'll break. I've anchored in Jesus. I fear no window. I've anchored in Jesus. For he has power to save. I've anchored in the rock. Of Our anchor. Is in the rock of ages. These other ships are anchored in this common rock, which can be swayed by any storm. But our anchor is in the rock of ages, in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the finished work, Jesus paid it all to him I owe sin had left a crimson he state. washed it white as I hear my savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness find in me you are all in all we are weak 
weak. We are frail. But Jesus paid it all. A Christian should not be tossed. A Christian should not have an answered question. A Christian rests. Because he's already finished work. Let the storms come. Let the girls hit that boat. Let the waves arise. Our anchor is holding. It is holding in two things. Those two immutable things. Those two unchanging things. This promises that God gave and the oath, the swearing that he swore by himself. Because there was no greater to swear by. Let us read Psalms 46. Our anchor holds. Psalms 46, he says, David was saying here from verse 1, God is our refugee and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar, and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. He goes on to say verse 6. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Amen. Zabuli anamukago kwa kunyosoka. Katonda chechidu kilo na manjiga fe. Omubezi dala atabula mkulabe nako. Chetunavanga tulema okutia. Insine wene chuka nga. Nensozi niwezi nasigu kanga. Mubuzibo wenyanja. Amazigayo niwega na ilanga. Niwega na ukulumulanga. Nensozi niwezi nasigu kanga. Ulokuwe tabula kwa yo. Wali uomuga. Emiara jago jisanyusa echibuga chakatonda. Echifo echitukuvu echewema. Zoyo ahiwa gurwe nyo. Katonda aliwa katiwacho. Techisa gasa ganenga. Katonda anachibe iranga. Anachibe irangencha matulutulu. Ama wanga gaye ugana. Waka baka nebwe tabula. Yeyatu ledobo zirie insine sanyuka. Mukamo weje aliwa muna fe. Katonda wa yakobo chechidukiro cha fe. Amen. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in the times of need. He is ever present in that time of need that you are in. When the enemy comes in like a flood and you have nowhere to turn, he's an ever-present help. He's watching that situation. He may not come immediately, but he's an ever-present ever help in times of need. 
Amen. Amen. Therefore, we will not be, we will not fear. Though the earth is removed. Though the earth is removed. Can you imagine a situation that would make the earth be removed? That is a a problem of a very high magnitude. Sometimes the devil comes in like that. And he puts you in a corner. And you feel you are finished. But the Bible is telling us not to fear. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. A situation that would carry mountains. And uproot them and throw them in the midst of the sea. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled. Though the mountains shake. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. There is a river. The streams that will make glad the city of God. What is that river? It is God Himself. It is the Holy Ghost. There is a river of life that flows out of me that opens prison doors. There is a river of life springing out of me. What is that river? It is the Holy Ghost we receive. It opens prison's doors and sets the captives free. The one who is in us is far greater than the devil in the world. Amen? There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of, his, of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. The one who is in us is far greater than the enemy that is in the world. Let the devil rage. Let him do whatever he wants to do. God swore by himself. In that message of the stature of a perfect man, the prophet says, just as Peter was saying, to your faith, add virtue. To virtue, add knowledge. Knowledge, add temperance. The prophet says, to your faith, add to virtue add knowledge. And there he says, that knowledge is to know who you are. You are a child of God. You are a seed of Abraham. God gave you these promises. And he swore by himself. 
that will bring them to pass. We need that knowledge. To your virtue, add knowledge. The knowledge of knowing who you are. The knowledge of knowing that you are anchored. Paul was saying, put on the whole armor of God. Let your loins be guarded with faith. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let your feet be prepared with the gospel peace. Put on the helmet of salvation. And the prophet says the helmet of salvation is the knowledge of knowing that you are saved. That Jesus paid it all. The helmet of salvation is the knowledge of knowing who you are. Let the devil shoot those darts and arrows. You have a helmet. You know who you are. You are anchored. Let the storms come. You are anchored. Joshua and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb, they had that knowledge. When the ten spies went to spy that land, and they found their giants, and they found that the city was walled. There were big walls. Those giants were cannibals. When they looked at themselves, they were just like grasshoppers. And the Bible says that when they came back, and Moses told, asked them, what did you find? Tell us of the report. They said, truly, truly, the land is there. We have brought these grapes. And the prophet says there were huge, huge grapes that even a cluster could be carried by two people. These are the fruits we have brought. Nevertheless, that place is walled. They are huge, huge walls. To an extent that even chariots can run about. There are giants there. And those giants are cannibals. When we compare ourselves to them, we are just like grasshoppers. And the Bible says that report. The children of Israel lifted up their... They started crying and screaming. Moses, you brought us out of Egypt to kill us in this wilderness. We are unable to take that land. But Joshua and Caleb, because they knew their God, because they knew the promises, I've given you that land. Go and take it. I have sworn by myself that there is nothing that is going to hinder you. They said, men and brethren, we are more than able to take that land. God does not want us to look at situations and conditions. But to look at the greatness of that God. To look at that one who gave the promise. To look at that one who swore by himself. 
That is the anchor of our souls. Amen. To look to him. Amen. Amen. Even if he comes in like a flood. These promises that he has given us. They don't have an if on them. Mm -hmm. But it is a win situation. He overcame for you. And he gave you these promises. These promises is like a It's like I cannot jump over here. His words, they barricade him. That's why the prophet said, God would rather leave heaven empty to make sure he fulfills his promise. Because he swore by himself. So this is an anchor for our souls. That's what holds us. Let the devil rage. Let the devil do whatever he wants to do. We are anchored. We are the seed of Abraham. God swore by himself. Caleb and Joshua could not be moved. Men like David. He's a young man. The father gives him food to take to his brethren. Who are the battlefront. And when he reaches there. He finds a man threatening. Goliath. He would roar. Get me a man. Who will confront me? If he kills me, then we shall be your subjects. Get me a man. And David comes. And he looks at the situation. And he asks his, his brethren, Who is this man? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? To threaten the army of the Most High And his brethren rebuke him. We know you are wise king. Now you have come here to show off. And he says, is there no cause? I'm a seed of Abraham. Abraham. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? I have a promise. I have an oath. My God. When I kill a lion, even with this uncircumcised Philistine, this man is not under a promise. However huge he is, whatever a giant he is, he has no promise. I have a promise which God himself swore. Let me go. 
And what did David do? He had victory over this enemy. I don't care the magnitude of the problem. I don't care the situation that you are in. I don't care the Goliaths that are surrounding you. We are the seed of Abraham. We have promises of God which can never fail. Promises that are given by God himself. The supernatural God. The unfailing God. The prophet talked of a certain man. I've just remembered. He was called, I think, Sam. Sam. And the prophet says, Sam was illiterate. Sam, he was illiterate. Amen? But Sam was a believer. And he used to carry his Bible. And the people who knew him, they would look at him and mock him. You, Sam, you claim to be a believer. But you are illiterate. Now you are holding that Bible. Why are you holding it? Can you read it? You know what is contained in that? Do you believe it? He said, I believe it. I believe it from cover to cover. Because it is the word of God. And they mocked him and they laughed. Now tell us some. What if that word which is written there tells you to go and run and pass through that concrete wall? Will you believe that? He said, as long as it is written here, I will believe it a hundred percent. And they said, How? How can that God do it? He said, before I reach that complete wall, God will have already put there a way. He will have put there a hole for me, Sam, to pass through. I believe this word cover Because those words, those promises are the unfailing words of promise. They will never fail as God can never fail. So that is the anchor of our souls. That's what we should look to. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Even if you go through storms. Even if you go through the waters. Even if you go through the fires. I, God, swore. I will never leave you. That is the anchor of our souls. The two immutable things. Promise and an oath. Amen. Amen. Verse 18 he says, and that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, 
both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of marriage. <laughs> Yesu mwe ingira omukulembeze kulwafe weyafuka kabona singo bukuru emirembe jonna ngengeri ya mekrizede kibweri Amen Amen Our forerunner Jesus Christ omukulembeze wa Yesu Kristo has entered as a high priest yayingira ngakabona singo bukuru within the veil munda we jiji after saying it is finished after raising from the dead he went so high beyond the sun, beyond the moon, beyond the stars. And he seated on the right hand of God. Interceding for us. He's watching over us. He's anchoring us. I don't care the magnitude of the problem. That old ship, your life can be swayed. The floods may rise. But the Bible says, when the enemy will come in like a flood, He'll raise a standard. And it says, God sits upon floods. And he's king forevermore. He sits upon the floods. And he's king forevermore. Let us read the scripture as I'm finishing. The Lord sits upon floods. Should be in Psalms. Psalms 29 from verse 4. He says, The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yeah, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve, and discovereth the forests. And in his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yeah, the Lord sitteth king forevermore. Chidobozidiamukamariamani,edobozidiamukamarijudechtiwa,edobozidiamukamarimenya,emivure,wewao,mukamamenya,emenya,emivure,jalebanoni,era,ajizinisa,nginyana,ebanonesidioni,nginy
Mukama aturanga kabaka the Lord sits on the floods as king forever. He sits upon floods. He is king forever. The voice of the Lord divides flames of fire. shakes the wilderness. Let any problem come. The Lord will shake it. Let floods rise. He sits upon floods. He'll raise a standard. Oh, that is the anchor of our soul. Through two things, two unchanging things, two immutable things, whereby it is impossible for God to lie. That is the anchor of our souls. I've anchored in Jesus the storms of life I'll brave. I've anchored in Jesus. I fear no wind or wave. I've anchored in Jesus, for he has power to save. I've anchored in the rock of ages. I've anchored in Jesus, the storms of life I'll brave. I've anchored in Jesus, I fear no wind no wave. I've anchored in Jesus, for he has power to save. I've anchored in the road of ages. Let us be first. If we are truly anchored, let us not be weak and frail. Let us sing it with vigor. If you are anchored this afternoon in Jesus, you should be the happiest person. You should sing it with joy. Amen. Are you anchored this afternoon? I've anchored in Jesus, the storms of life I'll brave. I've anchored in Jesus, I fear no window wave. I've anchored in Jesus, for he has power to save. I've anchored in the rock of ages. Upon life's boundless ocean Where mighty billows roll I fixed my hope in Jesus Blessed anchor of my soul When trials fears assail me The storms are gathering over I rest upon his mercy And trust him